Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I think that's how I grew up. The pain is uh, kind of... uh, part of the job and you just fight through. You're listening to The Dig. What is up, Nuggets fans? This is The Dig. I'm Nick, joined by Jeremy. How are things in Philly, Jeremy? Never really changed. Actually, it's not really that cold. How about that for a change? I'll take that. It, it's snowing in Denver. Today we got a couple inches. Huh. Yeah. It's... It's snowing in Oakland. Did you hear uh, Mike Mayock was uh, put as the new GM of the Raiders? No. What? Yeah. What is that? What's next? Like Stephen A. Smith is the new Lakers uh, GM. <laughs> I don't really want to talk about football right now since. Uh, Why is that? I'm a Broncos fan. Mm. Probably move on to better things to talk about. Like, like the Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets. Who have survived. We're coming off a stretch where the Nuggets went 8-4 and four in December. That was despite having, you know, basically an entire NBA team worth of injuries. Yep. And they beat some good competition. They look solid. Uh, they're still in first place in the Western Conference. And now we're starting to get all of the pieces back. And we're going to finally have a chance to see what this team actually can be with a fully healthy roster. The theme. They're getting healthy. You know what's interesting? Let me interject this. It's a little bit off topic, but you mentioned, I just started thinking about it when you mentioned who we were actually winning these games with. We went eight and four in December and we were, you compare us to last year's roster and we've got guys who sometimes weren't even getting garbage time minutes who are now playing 30 minutes a game Beasley over the past uh, few weeks. Um, was anyone sure coming into the season that Beasley was like an, an every game player? Right. No, no, no. I don't think so. I don't think you could say that. And then our two G league players from last year are playing right. almost starters minutes b- between Craig and Morris. Yeah. So, and, and this is who we're winning games with. So it's, it's just interesting to take a step back this is a team that um, came up short of a playoff run last year. And, and this year, we're taking last year's team and we're scraping the bottom of the barrel and playing with those guys, the bottom of the barrel players from last year's team that didn't make the playoffs. And we're 8-4 and four in December and, and holding on to first place. A lot of the credit has to go to Tim Connolly, who has clearly drafted well and built a really deep roster of young talent. And a lot Malone. of the credit and Michael Malone, a lot of credit has got to go to Michael Malone. I mean, he has to be a front runner for coach of the year right now with what this team has survived. I mean, you have to give Jokic credit for what's happening here too, because he's such a facilitator and he's so good at getting other guys involved and getting their shots for them and getting them in, in positions uh, where they have open looks or where they are in, in the right spot. 
um, to hit their shot. And it, you know, it makes you wonder, like, would, would Beasley on another team that had some injuries be doing what he's doing right now if he wasn't playing with a player like Jokic mm-hmm. or some of these other guys, Torrey Craig? Yeah, even just his his composure. Um, last year, it was, I think, about the second half of the season where we started seeing those really weird games out of him. And then he really came out of it for that last quarter or so and, and balled out. But um so it's nice this year that he got that weird phase out of the way after, you know, about a month. I don't know. What, what was that? Middle of November about? Yeah, when Jokic had that, that game in Memphis when he refused to shoot. Yeah, and a string so, yeah. of games, really. Um, yeah. In, into the, yeah. But um, that's that's all behind him. You know, he, he like you pointed out, he, he banded these guys together. They all... Um, they all took form under his leadership here in December and uh, have kept it going. And, and again, half of that has got to be his defense. The example that he's making on defense, it's really fun. I never thought I would say this. It's really fun just to watch a guy rotate, to watch Jokic make two good rotations where he's putting full effort. He knows where, where he should be going and he puts all of his power into it. Um, I mean, the other guys are seeing that as well on our team, and and they're they're stepping it up as well. So, um, again, I mean that that goes to Malone too. I think um, something connected there. But for Jokic to keep that going, no matter what he's facing, um, he had every excuse to 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 cool his heels in December, and he did the exact opposite. Yeah, to the point that he's now being brought up in MVP conversations, and I think rightly so. Um, probably not the front runner. Uh, there's been a lot of really good play yeah. by some of the league's best players this year. But, I, I mean, it, you know, this kind of gets into this whole debate about how do you define most valuable player. Is there a player that's more valuable to his team than Nikola Jokic? Giannis? Yeah, that's know. what's... There's, you know, there's a couple... That, I was asking myself the same thing. Because Anthony Davis, when you look at the at the stats, Anthony Davis, as much as there's like 10 guys who are totally balling out Anthony Davis is just heads and shoulders above everybody but you look at his his numbers are absurd yeah but no success right what's going on there I don't know I don't know how to interpret that you know that's that it again yeah I mean it goes into how you define most valuable player too I mean a lot of people do use the metric like like Barkley was talking about a couple of weeks ago if the Nuggets are the best team in basketball right now and their best player has been carrying them through a rash of injuries. You know, wouldn't that put them in him in the conversation for most valuable player? Right. Um, is it, you know, it's not, it's not just a stats competition. Yeah, right. Clearly if it was a stats competition, he is not the most valuable player. There's a, a number of players putting up much bigger stats. Um, but there's other things to take into account with Jokic too, and his efficiency and his playmaking um, and the way that he can dominate a game uh, without necessarily getting traditional stats like points or even assists, even with his high assist total. Um, a lot of times, yeah, he, he, there's a lot, a lot of games through this stretch where Jokic could have had 15 assists if guys were hitting open shots. Yep. So that's uh, that's taking us to where we are right now. I don't think any Nuggets fan can be disappointed uh, in the way that we've performed. Um, yeah, I mean, could the this stretch with with all of these injuries couldn't have gone any better. I don't think. I mean, they had a couple of tough losses in there. They lost the Clippers and the Spurs. Um, I mean, I don't think any reasonable fan was expecting to run through this this stretch of games without dropping a couple. 
All right, so we have Millsap's back. No, we don't have Millsap's back, but Millsap is back. <laughs> um, I, I hope he doesn't have a back problem. That. that could be next. Um, but Millsap's back. Uh, we have Barton and Harris just around the corner. Uh, not so clear of a timeline for Isaiah Thomas yet. Um, and I don't think there's any word about either of the rookies, Jared Vanderbilt or Michael Porter Jr. And there's um, seems to be some confusion about uh, especially Michael Porter Jr.'s status for the season. But the core is about to be back together. Uh, the original starting lineup at the, at the beginning of the season that the Nuggets uh, planned on running with, Harris, Murray, Jokic, Millsap, and Barton will finally be together. What do you expect when we see the, the full core together, Jeremy? I, I expect it to be good. I, I know there's that, um, that apprehension where you say, oh, things are going well now. What's the chemistry going to be like? Um, but I think it's only going to be better. I... I I think they I think they have a solid chemistry from top to bottom because uh you, you could say the the exact opposite where I mean it, it all three of these guys didn't get injured all at once. Um we we saw them all kind of fade in. Gary Harris even came back and then went back out again. Um and, and so all these other guys have kind of stepped up and we've seen that that chemistry exists through and through. We, we started this season out with the best defense in the NBA, really. Um, we, we were always right in there one, two, three for the first several weeks. And so the, then we started questioning, well, can our backup players keep it going? And they did. Um, so I feel the exact opposite should be true, that we shouldn't be worried about our new guys coming back, that they should be able to, to keep uh, waving the same flag that, that everybody else is, and probably even better. We know that these guys are all super talented, and um and i'm excited to see i'm excited to see actually what what barton is able to do yeah he's the big kind of unknown too because we, we don't really know how he was going to gel with the starters even had he not been injured um but i'm with you i'm i'm really optimistic about this we have harris coming back who is a defensive upgrade um or at least nothing is lost but probably a defensive upgrade, um, depending on whether you're talking about Beasley or, or Craig. But Harris was was playing fantastic defense before he went out, um, and a you know just solid a solid pro borderline all star player when he's when he's healthy and, and rolling along. So he's an upgrade there. Um, Millsap is uh, you know definitely an upgrade and really helps with defense. And so I guess to kind of summarize my overall point it would be that the the nuggets are where they are right now because of their defense uh their offense is down from last year but you know the reason they're the number one team in the western conference right now is because of the championship level defense that they've been playing they're third in the nba right now in opponents points per game and that's a big deal when you're a good offensive team playing at altitude (laughs) who can put up a lot of points especially at home Yep. If you're playing that level of defense, uh, you're a really tough out. And the players coming back are only going to improve them defensively. So even if there's a little stretch here where we have some rough shooting, I mean, I'm not I'm not expecting Barton to come back and light the roof on fire with his shooting. 
Um, he's just he's been out for months. It, it, it's going to take a little bit of time to get him back up to game speed. I think um, my my most what I'm most interested in seeing Barton back is we've seen one of the biggest questions so far has been um, can Murray handle point guard duties on this team, and then there's even the question of well Monte Morris looks like a fantastic point guard. Is there even a reason to maybe um, bring him up more often? And and honestly, he has been. If you actually look at these lineups, he's playing a lot with with the quote unquote starters or whoever's left standing. Um, <laughs> but but there's a lot of question marks there as far as who handles the ball after Jokic and Murray's gotten better. I I think we would all have to um, admit, but I'm still I I think Barton can step right in and just clearly be the second the second playmaker behind Jokic. And I think that really changes things up for Murray too. Um, I think that's a positive for Murray. I don't think that takes anything away from Murray. I still think there's completely room for three playmakers. I've been really obsessed with this kind of Golden State Warriors um, setup. I, I think I've mentioned it in probably two out of our last three podcasts where those that's a team with three guys who average um, five assists or more. And I think I think we have the right personnel for that. And I'm very interested to see what that does for our offense. Um, so getting Barton back in there, um, I think I think puts Murray in an even better position from a play, playmaking standpoint because he's allowed to not have to shoulder so much of the burden um, and just rather be more of an opportunistic kind of a playmaker um, where. Barton is dishing it over to him and then he's able to catch the defense off guard as opposed to him having to create the tension and create the pressure himself. Yeah. As good as Wancho has been in replacement, uh, Wancho is, is primarily a shooter and, and uh, you know, kind of a, kind of a yeah. standstill shooter. Yeah. Um, he's not, he's not a playmaker um, and he, he uh, not to any level close to what Barton is going to bring. Um, so, you're right. I mean, that's a that's a clear upgrade. It, we, you know, there may be a, a little bit, like I said, there may be a little bit of a step back with Barton's shooting. Um, Wancho's, you know, been been shooting so well over the last month or two, um, and that's been a big positive for the team. But uh, yeah, he's also he's just not he's just not the playmaker. He's not the he's not the slasher, um, and, he, and he's not the passer that Barton is. Winners and losers. All right, so now that the Nuggets are getting healthy again, let's talk about some of the winners and losers from the last uh, couple of weeks and then now looking forward as we get everybody back. Uh, Jeremy, give me a winner. Um, you know, one winner that I didn't really, as much as I was watching it happen, I didn't really crystallize it in my mind is uh Beasley um he's a guy that I was kind of expecting you know it's nice to see him play well uh but not really expecting more than that like okay he's able to take advantage of a loose ball or something like that and make an athletic play to the other side of the court um but yeah since our last show uh Nuggets have played four games Beasley had 11 points, four rebounds against the Clippers. He had 22 points, seven boards, three assists against the, uh, the Spurs in the loss. 
He had 21 points, three boards, and an assist in the win over the Spurs. And he had 15 points and a couple of boards and an assist in the win over the Suns. So he's been on a tear. I mean, those numbers for a bench player, um, part-time starter, are phenomenal. And I think well beyond what any of us were expecting from Beasley. Right. That That's basically a top 40 player right there based off of those stats. And I didn't even realize that he's averaging close to 30 minutes a game, um, which is basically a starter. And and he's doing so he's doing a really good job of it. So I thought, well, what other game stretch? Like, let's look at at Harris. Let's compare how good he's been. And the, the numbers were almost identical. I picked out the best five game stretch of Harris for this season and compared it to these last five games that essentially Beasley has been playing starters minutes in. And the point difference has been one. Uh, Beasley was 16.2. Harris was 17.2. The threes has been within 0.4. Beasley at 2.6 threes. Harris averaged three during that stretch. Both their true shooting percentage was uh, 0.6. Incredible. Rebounds within 0.4 of each other. Uh, Assists. Harris had three during his stretch. But he also had 1.875 turnovers and Beasley had 2.2 assists at only 0.6 turnovers. And then on defense, steals, uh, 1.8 steals for Beasley over these past five and 1.5 for Harris. So you have Beasley is getting Harris level stats right now, which is a huge compliment. Harris is a fringe all-star player um, and Beasley in the first time ever in his career that he's getting regular heavy minutes is performing at the level of, of Harris um, roughly of, of yeah. Harris's best. Honestly, Be- Beasley gets as much credit as anybody on the team. I think for the the fact that they've been able to keep winning through the stretch of injuries. Um, Jokic and Murray obviously as the stars have carried the team, but without Beasley's production, I don't know that we're, you know, quite as happy with, with the last month. Yeah. What about you? You know, I think the the Jokic-Murray tandem um, has really come together, solidified, and I I think it's become clear, uh, especially after these last two games and seeing Murray really start to take off and and shooting come around, that, you know, we have a championship core in the works here. When Harris comes back um, and, and Barton as a wild card playmaker, a guy who can put up 30 points in a game. If you need, if you need the scoring, um, I, I think this young core has what it has, what it takes. Uh, I, it's probably not going to be this year. Uh, we've talked about that, you know, a number of times over the course of the season so far that, you know, they've been in first place now for a month or whatever. So it's hard to not start getting excited, but yeah, um, but they are be. young. They're young and there's a lot of season. There's a lot of season left. Right, and the and playoffs are a whole different game. Totally different game. And we really don't know how Jokic ball will work in the playoffs. We don't know exactly what to expect from uh, the Jokic-Murray two-man game, the Jokic-Harris uh, two-man game uh, once they actually get to the playoffs. But, yeah, it's it's hard to not be excited and to not think that the Nuggets have one of the best young one-two tandems in all of basketball. I mean, who, who are the alternatives? Uh, Embiid and, and Simmons – Maybe yeah. Booker and Aiton. Um, you th- you start thinking about the big man guard combos. 
that are under, you know, 25 and uh, Nuggets have as bright a future as anybody. And I think this little stretch that that we've had here has really helped Jokic and Murray to learn how to play well together. Yeah, one thing that I really liked to see here was that for December, um, Jokic and Murray's plus minus have has almost tripled in the fourth quarter. Jokic and Murray have been have been winning games for them down the stretch. There there hasn't um, been anyone else to rely on. We've I mean we, there's been good play from other players. Uh, you know, Monte had a couple of huge free throws to seal a game a couple of days ago. Beasley's had some big shots down the stretch too, but you know, this team really rode Jokic and Murray and they responded and that's exciting to see. Now, you know, the Calvary's back. We've got the, you know, reinforcements coming in and there's no reason to expect that the Nuggets aren't going to be, you know, in the top half of this conference by the end of the season. All right. Another winner, Jeremy. Um, I think just overall, you have to say the Nuggets depth. Um, I mean, that almost makes me feel like me as a fan is, is the real winner in the end. But <laughs> there's, there's one of the things about playoff ball, we were saying that that playoff ball is different, is it forces you to change things up, to adapt, to reach down deeper than you ever have before. And I'm just, you know, how deep does our well go? Like we keep, we keep, <laughs> this is a terrible illustration. Maybe oil. I'm going to go with that. Yeah, uh, the, no matter how far down we go, we keep striking oil. So, so there's, there's not a minute during a playoff game. There's not a lineup that we can't put out there that can't perform, that can't be a quality level competitive lineup. No matter who, you know, tweaks their ankle in the first quarter and can't make it back, um, no matter what kind of situation happens where, you know, we have to put, say we put in Craig to on defense to, to shut. Maybe we're playing. <laughs> Can you guess who I'm about to say in the playoffs that Craig would come in and <laughs> shut down? <laughs> Russell Westbrook? Yeah, Russell, Russell, Russell Westbrook. That silly wabbit. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point now we can say that they should be able to survive any injuries from now till the end of the season with the exception of Jokic. They don't, I mean, you can't replace somebody like that. And as we talked about, you know, so many of these bench players uh, maybe have had the success they've had because of playing alongside Jokic. Um, but with, with that one exception, if Jokic stays healthy, I mean, even Murray, if Murray goes down for a stretch, we have some guards now that can fill in and that can that can fill it up. Um, so, you know, they're pretty bulletproof now, thanks to the depth that they've developed here. And that is only helpful, only going to be a good thing moving into the playoffs. So moving on from good things, give me a, a another bad thing, another loser. Well, I got one more winner for you, which is that the Nuggets – organization as a winner for cutting swaggy p <laughs> thankfully now that now that all of our players are healthy uh we don't have to have him on the team anymore you hit some big three swaggy thank you for that we do appreciate that but um 
you're probably uh a better suited on a on a different team. So yeah, Enjoy. every Nuggets player deserves more applause than what Swaggy P was getting. That's so frustrating. <laughs> he hits one three and the entire arena erupts, you know, and then and then Tory Craig hits a, a three and eh, crickets. Well, not crickets, but still, it's just so depressing to see a guy like that come in and just steal the hearts of our foolish Denver Nuggets fans. Well, he's Swaggy P, you know? Elvis yeah. was in the building. Yeah. So. so these bench players that have played so well uh, have given Mike Malone some difficult decisions to make here moving forward with the roster. Um, there are not enough roster spots right now for players that have played well. Who are some of the odd guys out, do you think, once we, we have the uh, the full starting rotation back? Trey Lyles is the first one that pops um, into my head. And even a few weeks back, I was still thinking there's going to be room for him just out of pure necessity. So you can assume Plumlee will play every single minute at center that Jokic is off the floor for. If we give Jokic, let's say, 32 minutes, it probably, I would assume it would be closer to maybe like 34. But let's say 32. That means uh, there's 16 minutes there for, for Plumlee. But this is where I started thinking, like, of course, Lyles is still going to have to play some power forward. But the way Wancho has been playing, I think now maybe you, maybe you give half of the power forward minutes to Plumlee because he's been incredible. So he can play 16 at center. He can play um, eight um, next to Jokic when Millsap is out. And then you give the other eight to uh, to Wancho. And he can play eight there, power forward, eight at small forward. Yeah, I think it's going to be really hard to give minutes to Lyles over Wancho. Um, there's going to be certain matchups where you're going to need Lyles size bulk out there a little bit but he has been such a defensive liability anyways that i'm not really sure <laughs> that it's gonna matter um I, I you know i think just all around wancho's game provides more benefit to the nuggets than than lyle's game um from his from his shooting uh to his uh hustle and his defense yeah. and his rebounding and you might disagree with me but the lyle's that i grew to appreciate last season was a guy who took over in a second unit when nobody else really had anything going on. And he was a guy that um, amidst chaos could perform. He could take the ball. He could, he could shoot a three or he was able to drive it to the hoop really well. This season is the exact opposite of chaos. When it comes to our bench, these guys are, are a, a squadron of well-trained military. Like they, they work so cohesively to me. That's not the environment that Lyles um, did so well in. Um, and, and I think because he's kind of being confined in these different ways where he has to fit into a regimented offense and defense that it's, uh, it's definitely highlighting some of his, um, his drawbacks, and unfortunately, it's not giving light to any of his strengths or, or much light to any of his strengths. Yeah, I mean, he's still a really young player, too, so I don't want to, like, say we're closing the book on Lyles, but uh, the Nuggets just have too many options right now that are better, mm -hmm. quite frankly. 
I think that's what it'll come down to. And there'll be certain matchups, um, like I said, where the you know there'll be somebody will be dinged up or or um, they'll be playing a team with uh, a couple extra bigs or or something um, where Lyles will be needed. But yeah, I think I think moving forward we're going to see a lot less of Trey Lyles. It Isaiah Thomas. Um, he even tweeted recently that um, his job is is player development. And as much <laughs> as I'm, you know, that's that's a joke or whatever. I'm not so sure it is. <laughs> yeah. Like, first of all, player coach. He was supposed to be back by now. Right. So now the question mark on his health is like 20 times bigger in my mind. He might never play again. I, I don't know. Um, so he might not even physically be able to make it back on the court all this season. It's the only season that he signed with us. And even if he does, um, whew, that it's just, it's a hard situation. I imagine he will find minutes, but, um, but his, his, what's, what's the phrase? His, uh, the rope that he's playing with is going to be extremely tight. Yeah. Know? I mean, let's say he comes back. Let's just say, I, I I have no information about this. Best case scenario, let's say he comes back in two weeks. Yeah. Um, at that point, most likely Harris and Barton will be back. And, you know, unless there's been some other injuries, but I, let's just assume we get a little bit of decent luck and we don't have any more injuries for at least a couple of months or a month. Um, who's he taking minutes from? Like, you, you can't take minutes from Monte Morris at this point. He is one of the most efficient point guards in all of basketball right now. Mm. Um, he's been one of the one of the stories of the NBA this year. National people know the name Monte Morris now because mm. of his his quality play. Um, and the future looks bright for him. The Nuggets want to keep developing him. I mean, what what benefit is there to putting it in over Monte Morris right now? Yeah, I think. It's one of these things that I don't think you you approach it logically or or mathematically even where you carve out you know okay so we take down Morris's minutes from you know twenty six to twenty uh, it it's to me it's something more of you know you need to get it in if you're Malone you need to get him on the floor at some point so you stick to your normal rotation and you and you put in Morris for Murray or for Harris. And uh, if he has a bad three minutes or something like that, you yank him and you put and you put it in. It wasn't necessarily part of the schedule that you know it starts the second quarter or something like that. But you just you have to. It, it's almost I hate to call it an emotional choice, but because it is who he is and the 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 history that he has of how good of a player he is you just have to find ways to get him in and, and it starts to be less logical and more emotional is a bad word for it um just more uh, in the moment like dead like di- dictated by game situation and right situational yeah. right less like, logical more more situational but think about what this says about monty morris's play i mean when we came yeah. into the season we were just kind of hoping to, you know, tread water with Morris until it would be healthy. It, you know, it wasn't, I, I don't, I mean, at least in my mind, I mean, I thought it was like a given that it would be the backup point guard on the team and would be the type of player who might be on the floor, um, 
you know, the last half of the fourth quarter or something in, in certain games, like depending on, on how he was playing or depending on the matchup that he would be like a, a major, he would have a major role on this team. And and at this point now, I think that's in question. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. This is right? uh Monte Morris, the great Rio Grande Valley Viper <laughs> right? taking minutes from yeah. basically the MVP of what was that? 2015. Yeah. But to quote my boy Billups, no, it wasn't Billups, but to quote Iverson, ball don't lie. Like Morris is Morris is balling, and and you can't. I mean, he you know he's proven that he's an NBA player. Ball don't lie, scoreboard, whatever cliche you want to use. Right. Um, Monte's been great, and and he's the future. You know, he's young, uh, he's cheap. Um, it was probably only going to be here for one year anyway. It doesn't make a lot of sense to be starting it or, or, or for it to take Monte's minutes, unless, as you said, you know, game circumstance dictates it or, or, or we have some other injuries or something like that. But, but I think it's, I think it has been a loser through this stretch. Any other losers you want to talk about? Um, just the haters and the doubters. This was, yeah. this was their opportunity. This is what they were calling for. They were all saying, "Just, just wait for it. Um, the support falls out, and Jokic will give up, and the defense will turn back into their famous, you know, twenty eighth worst defense." And sorry, guys, you lose out. You lost. So we're seven games away from the halfway point of the season. Um, I think it's safe to say that the Nuggets are here for real. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they have to be a part of every playoff plan that there is. I'm sorry, half of a season? Well, let's get there. You know, let's play these seven games. Let's get there. Let's see. This is a very interesting time getting all of our, our players back. So we'll we'll see how we do in seven games. But Now, for some reason, a basketball haiku by Nicholas Herzog. Murray's back, haters. Dropping threes like maple leaves. Sorry, not sorry. Over and under. So our first question is, over under 10 wins in January for the Nuggets. So the Nuggets have 16 games this month in January. Pretty pretty heavy workload, actually. Um, and they kick it off with some kind of back and forth. Um, they are at home for the Knicks, and then they go to the Kings, and then they're back at home for the Hornets. Um, how do you think they do in that stretch? I think they, they go 2-1 and one here. Mm-hmm. Um I think the the Knicks and the Hornets in Denver are close to locks. And I can see him dropping the game in Sacramento. Sacramento has been one of the surprise teams of the year this year. And that game on the road, um, I think, could, could cause them some issues. Uh, we might also not have the full roster back yet. Uh, if Barton is back for that game, uh, you know, maybe a shooting isn't there yet. Uh, there's some kinks t- to work out. Um, I don't think that'll be nearly as big of a problem against the Knicks. 
but uh yeah probably two and one yeah i'm gonna say two and one also um the hornets for whatever reason seem to just get us um and that i think will more likely that's the third game into january is more likely i think when we'll see harris back barton back um so after that three games they go on a road trip they go to the rockets the heat oh actually then they get the clippers at home and then and then back away at uh at the suns so um what do you think for that that little series I think at the Rockets is going to be tough. The Rockets are what nine and one in their last they're 10 doing games. So good right they're now. Yeah. Really coming on and they always struggle against Houston in general and in particular in Houston. So they'll probably drop that one. Um, I could see him bouncing back and beating the heat. And then they've struggled with the Clippers this year too. Uh, I could see him winning that game. Uh, it's kind of a, a, a statement game, you know, a, a, a game where they, um, they, they, where they take that game seriously because they've had some issues with the Clippers. And yeah. then um, I think the Suns are another team that they should definitely beat yeah. pending something crazy happening. So probably three and one in that stretch. I'm going to go two and two. I'm going to, I'm going to give the Clippers one just to be pessimistic here. Um, if the Clippers are healthy, they're just such a good team. They're a team that's not supposed to be healthy. They're a bunch of, you know, slapped together veterans that, clickety clack every step that they take but um they're all healthy right now and they're playing really well so uh then we get a home stretch where we get uh the blazers that'll be a good game and then we get the warriors and then we get to finish it off with the bulls and the calves <laughs> what do you think about that i'm gonna say three and one on that stretch too i don't see the bulls or the calves beating the nuggets in denver playing too good at home Right now, they'll be fully healthy at that point, pending some other disaster. Um, so there's two wins, and then I say they split with the Blazers and Warriors. Um, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna predict they beat the Warriors again, <laughs> uh, because Mike Malone hasn't lost the Warriors yet, Ooh. and <laughs> uh, the Warriors really have not come on yet either. So I can see this being a another statement win and something that kind of carries a narrative moving forward into the playoffs, you know, something like the nuggets end up facing the warriors, you know, they'll have this glossy record against them in the regular season or something. Yeah. Um, I'm going to split the blazers warriors as well. Um, I would think we would lose one of those. Um, and I would expect to, to win one of them. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody in Denver is actually that scared of the warriors. Um, we know our history with them. So if we if we lose to the Blazers, I think we would hope that we would knock off the Warriors. So count me in the same way. I'm going to go three and one in that stretch. Um, and then, um, and then there's again some kind of back and forth to end things out. We go at the Jazz, and then we get the Suns back on our court. Then we get the Sixers, and then we have a road trip to end it. The the Grizzlies and the Pelicans. Yeah, I think um, this stretch is a little trickier for me because there's so there's some a game like like against the Jazz, uh, who have been a disappointing team this year. Maybe one of the most disappointing teams in the NBA. Maybe um, I had them second in the West in my preseason rankings. Now that might have been dumb on my part to put them that high, but I, I don't I think that third. was that. Yeah, I don't think it was that out of the out of the norm for people to think that they were going to take another step forward this year. And they're currently at a playoff race. So having said that, at this point, 
you know, we're projecting here a month out, um, three weeks out, whatever it is. But I think it's likely the Jazz are going to be playing a little bit better uh, at some point this season. And it could very well be during this stretch. And they're always really they are right now at home. So, yeah, they're starting to come around. So um, I'm going to I'm going to call that a loss. Uh, Suns again, I, I'm I'm pretty confident in the Nuggets ability to beat the Suns every time they play them <laughs> this year. Yeah, they're kind um, of like our statement <laughs> game, I think. It, like Jokic yeah. on Aiton is a lot of fun to watch as much as he had had his way offensively with us his last game. Jokic Jokic was able to do kind of whatever he wanted on offense as well. So it's yeah. fun to watch that. Then we have this Sixers game, which I think is going to be a, a major game and focal point for the even for a national audience here at the end of January. Um, you know, still a couple months out from the playoffs, but what an interesting matchup between you know two of the best young centers in the NBA. I think the Nuggets make a statement in this game at home against the Sixers in you know something like a blowout win. I th- I think we could see you know a fully healthy Nuggets team who who wants to to make a point that they're they're here they're on the national stage and they're for real um and then i think they probably drop one of two at grizzlies and pelicans those are both games where right uh those teams are very capable of of putting up a great game at home they probably drop one of them yeah so i'm 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 gonna think at the jazz that's a hard place for us to play at i'm gonna give that to the jazz and they're playing better right now go bears finally found his rhythm uh, we'll see if Donovan Mitchell is able to get anything going again, but I think his stock, I think uh, his stock was a little high at the end of last season. I think people were buying, buying a stock that was overvalued. I think he's still a really good player, but so I'm going to give that one to the jazz. Um, the Suns take that. I'm going to give the Sixers game. I'm going to do a little, this is my hometown right now. Give them a little credit. Right. I, I want more than anything for 10 years of nothing but nuggets and 76ers talk of a back and forth <laughs> kind of like we had with the Cavs and the Warriors. I, this is some of the most fun basketball in the world to watch. So give that to me for a decade, please. Um, and then split the Grizzlies and Pelicans. Like you said, I think they'll have Alfred Payton back and the Pelicans were mm. actually rocking people when they had Payton in there. He really clicked with that lineup and without him, it just seems to be this weird, like we mentioned before with Anthony Davis, this weird, like, Huge stats out of him and Drew Holiday, but it's not really congealing to actually have team success. Um, I think Alfred Payton might be as much as the un, unexpected hero of the team, the, the guy to kind of bring it all together. Yeah, so I've got him at 11 wins in January, so over 10. Um, that would put him at 34 and 16 going into February, which sets them up as you know, probably in first place in the West still or or right near the top and uh, really, really coasting toward yeah. the playoffs. I've got them at nine, so I'm going to take the under. Um, nine wins in January. Still nine in, uh, was that, nine and seven? Yeah, that's, that's enough to keep the train rolling. All right, over under, Murray averaging 20 points a game by the end of the year. Now, reason I'm bringing this up, is that only four Nuggets guards have ever averaged 20 points a game or more, which I, I find to be sh- shocking. And Allen Iverson was two of those four seasons. So they really only had three different players who have averaged uh, guards who have averaged 20 points a game. 
Um, is is this a year we see another one added? Is Murray, uh, w- what we've seen out of him the last couple of games, is he finally getting rolling? Is he able to pull his average up from about 18 points a game, 18 and a half points a game to 20 points a game by the end of the season, Jeremy? I'm going to stick to my guns. Um, before the season started, I, I put him at 20.5 points a game for the season. And I, I, I see that happening. So count me in. I'm going to say that he does as well. I mean, I, I think the fact that that he's at 18 and a half points a game with as bad as his three-point shooting has been for most of the season um, means that if he just gets back up to his historic averages, um, even something like he's at 33% right now from three, which was really helped by the last two games where he went from <laughs> something like 27% to 33% just over the stretch of two games. Um, but if he if he's up closer to 40 or 38, 40%, like he should be, like we all expect him to be, you know, that's that's easily worth um another couple of points per game. So mm-hmm. um I think I think we're gonna see Murray top out over 20 points a game and lead the league or lead the Nuggets in scoring by the end of the season. Okay, so Monte Morris has averaged 26 minutes a game in December. Obviously, there's been injuries over under 20 minutes a game moving forward as the Nuggets get healthy. What do you think, Jeremy? I'm gonna, I'm gonna very strongly take the over here, um, because I don't think he was a guy who. He's the backup point guard, so it's not necessarily so much like he filled in for for Gary Harris or something like that, and now he's gotten a ton of minutes. Whereas like a Beasley, that would definitely be true. That was a guy who was slotted at almost no minutes, like no real definition of his backup role. Um, and was able to make the most of this. So um, I'm I'm still expecting him to play about 24 minutes per game. So maybe he drops about three minutes from what we saw before. You know, maybe closing out fourth quarters, we might not see as much as uh, of that. But as far as the normal routine of him subbing in and subbing out, I think that's going to hold pretty much true. What about you? Yeah, I think because I think Murray's numbers have been um, probably higher than they're going to be moving forward. He's been playing a lot of 40 minute games. Yeah. You know, I think maybe we see him drop down to uh, 36, 37 minutes a yeah. game. And that makes up for some of the time that Monte will be giving back. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to take the over as well. And I and maybe this is almost even more just hopeful than it is a prediction. Just I, I, I really want the Nuggets to make sure that they they get him the playing time that he's earned because he's been a key component uh, to what they've done this year. And I think the future is super bright for him. So I I would hate to see him get buried on the bench um, because of, of the amount of depth uh, that this team has. And that's going to be especially true for when it comes back. We'll just have to see how Malone's able to juggle those things. It is Malone's boy too. So I'm sure he's going to want to get him in, but uh, I, I, I hate to see that happen. Um, if it sacrifices development for, for Monte who's proven himself. Well, it is never going to play in a nuggets uniform. So I don't think you have anything to worry about. <laughs> okay. So we're going to introduce a new segment where we call out national media members <laughs> or give them credit for their good or bad takes. We call this bad take. Good take. So our first bad take, Bill Simmons recently said that he would take Buddy Heald over Jamal Murray today. You agree with him, Jeremy? 
No, but I, I'm not as much of a Homer in this case. Um, I remember when we were drafting, it was one of those two guys I really wanted. So right. kind of every step of the way, I, I have felt somewhat swappable with Heal to Murray. But um, with Murray, there's there's just there's that ceiling that you know he can tap that Heal, I don't believe, has. Uh, Heal is maybe the most unathletic um, point, or not point guard, but guard in the NBA, uh, starting guard. Um, and and he's quite a bit older. I, I realize that the argument is for today, but um, Murray's just got that that extra gear that you know he can go into. And this is a team that doesn't necessarily need it. So it might even come down to a situational situ where with the Kings, I think they probably would want healed over Murray. But if you're on the Nuggets and you have Jokic leading the team and Gary Harris and Paul Millsap and all these guys. I think Murray, you want as your your X factor, who can put up a fifty point night when you're playing possibly the best team in the East, the Celtics. Look, Heald's been really good this year. He's averaging twenty points a game on forty two percent shooting from three. Uh, he also averages eighty five percent from the free throw line, the same as Murray. Um, so nothing, you know, we don't want to take anything away from Heald. The thing is. First of all, his hair is terrible. <laughs> so that alone means I would rather have Murray on my team because I would hate to have to watch that <laughs> mop bounce around. First thing 30 minutes and a last day. thing. What's that? First thing and last thing. <laughs> Second of all, um, Murray has definitely taken a step forward this year as a playmaker. Um, five assists a game and he's been getting better. And that... Uh, distinguishes him from Heald, who uh, doesn't do much playmaking. He's pretty much uh, a spot-up three-point shooter at this point in his career anyway. And Murray, as you said, has a much higher ceiling. Um, Murray is capable of scoring 50 in a game, as we've seen um, him nearly hit a couple of times this year. And this is in a season that he hasn't been shooting particularly well so far. So uh, I think I think we're seeing Murray on the way up we might be seeing the best of what Buddy Heald will ever be in the NBA right now. Um, but it is close, actually. And it's interesting that they were, you know, the, the conversation was about these two guys uh, in the Nuggets spot when they picked a couple of years ago. And um, and both of those draft picks have panned out for their respective teams. So uh, there is an argument to be had. But but yeah, I agree. I think I think even putting Homer bias aside, I'd rather have Murray on my team. Uh, another bad take that we heard this week was that Michael Porter Jr. is going to play this year. This was stated on the uh, Brian Windhorst podcast, um, and he had Jackie McMullen on. Um, now, as far as we know, there isn't any inside information coming out of Denver that indicates this. Uh, have you heard anything about Michael Porter Jr. playing for sure this year, Jeremy? No. No, not at all. This would be one of those um, super secret informant situations that um, wouldn't be caught dead being pointed out of a group for saying this to Windhorse or McMullen. But you still, I don't know. I think I think they're speculating as much as I am. I I expect here. Here's here's the thing. I expect Connolly 
to make sure that Michael Porter Jr. plays if he's healthy. So I, I know there's a lot of people who actually feel that he might not, that even if he is healthy, they just still feel it's not necessarily worth the risk and just give him you know, the entire season off. I don't feel that way. And so that's where I think Windhorse and McMullen might be coming from here, where they think no matter no matter what, as long as he is healthy, he is going to see the court at least for a few minutes. Yeah, I mean, I to me, this is the kind of the definition of a bad take, which is just stating something is going to happen when you have absolutely no information about it whatsoever. <laughs> like, they have no idea if he's going to play this year. They have no idea what his health is, unless they know something we don't but it, I, I think that's unlikely um because the nuggets have been pretty tight-lipped about michael porter jr's health um th- throughout this entire process and i don't see why they would feel the need to leak anything to a national reporter at this point in the season with all the other good things that are going on and stuff it's just I, it doesn't make any sense to me so this is just them being hopeful <laughs> i think more than anything um and and, and just making you know, sort of blind assumptions. So um, I think more than likely we won't see him this year. Um, I know some on the stiffs have been pretty adamant about that uh, for most of the season too, that this is probably isn't the year we see his right NBA debut, but um, I'm still, I'm still hopeful. I'm just, I'm just excited to see him on the floor. I, I just want to see him, you know, chuck a three and, and and see what he looks like, you know, running around on the court and, and what he what he might bring to the team, even if that means he's only playing like seven or eight minutes a game, um, you know, in March and April or, or something like that. But then you have to ask yourself, too, like, what value is that if this team really is making a playoff run? Like, let's say they're the second seed in, you know, three weeks out from from going into the playoffs, you know, is bringing in a, a Michael Porter Jr. Seven or eight minutes a game over. So here's the value, I think, to getting Michael Porter out there, even if he's not necessarily helping the team win games. Um, and, and I don't think he should be getting heavy minutes unless, unless he is. That's just a weird, really weird situation. I really don't see that happening where all of a sudden he, he comes into a team that's fighting for first place in the West and um, just completely starts dominating. That would be great. But so here, here's the value. Here's the situation. And I think you can only find it if you look at this from Tim Connolly's perspective. They, they took a risky pick on a guy who had more upside than every player in the draft, except for maybe two guys. And Tim Connolly is right in the middle of building a championship team where he might be one big time free agent away from having a championship. Um, Or you also have to realize that as much as he's kind of the head of the team, he's still under the Cronkies. So trying to play this game of doing what's best for the team, but also trying to get the Cronkies to open up some more money and things like that, investing in facilities, to, to be able to show a healthy Michael Porter Jr. to the rest of the league, to all the players, they see this young buck who has talked about playing well or, or out there playing, to see the Cronkies, to have them see him out there playing. To me, it, it makes... It makes the future of the Nuggets organization just that much more enticing. 
And, and whether you're a player that wants to sign here, a coach that wants to coach here, um, or Cronky who wants to strike when the iron is hot and invest in the team that, that could get him more money back since it seems like that's what's most important to him. Um, which is, which is fine. Oh, shade. It's, it, it, you know, it is what it is. There's worse owners than that. Um, but, um, it, it's, Hold on! Did you just did you just call uh, Michael Porter Jr. a young buck? Yeah, I called him a young buck. <laughs> He's a young buck. He is a young buck. We're He's old. walking around in his in his fancy. Reeboks you know you're old playing. when you start referring to guys as young bucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. sorry. Um, I'm hurt. <laughs> All right, we did it. Episode six in the books. Okay. Is that it? 